0: Uh, all right, I'm recording. All right.
1: Hi, Vicky. Hey, Jacob. It's so weird to be talking to you over the internet instead of just hanging out in your living kitchen.
0: In the kitchen, yeah. In it's the not kitchen. the same, but, well, you know, it's what we can do, it's and that's good. what
1: we good. can do. Modern yeah. technology. It's so true. Uh, how, how has Calgary been since last I left
0: it? Calgary has been very busy. Yeah? Um... Everybody started everything basically.
1: Right. The Labor the Day. Mhm.
0: Yeah. After after Labor Day and everything started. Mm-hmm. So um a whole bunch of theater companies are opening shows, our film festivals coming up. <coughs> this weekend was the beakerhead festival. Oh yeah.
2: mm mm-hmm. Mhm.
0: Which is a mashup of um art, engineering and science. Yeah. And um they partnered with I think I think every human in the city. Um it's it's amazing. Like I, I even I was looking at the brochure the other day and they have partnerships with a lot of people and then there's partnerships with companies that I that I now know about that weren't even in the brochure. So clearly they just kept adding on programming. Right. And um it's everything from it's everything it, there's things in it that are meant to surprise people.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like um there's things like uh, primarily like sort of installations um that change this sort change the sort of shape or change the experience of a of a park or a building or something like that yeah. for instance there's a building in Inglewood um which is a very popular sort of um downtown neighborhood destination for shopping and eating and some like of that but they they um they have these blow-up tentacles coming out of the windows of one of these buildings, an right. old building in town. <laughs> um, and the park, Central Memorial Park, they have a bunch of very large um, blow, like um, sort of those inflatable rabbits mm. and um, sort of like beanbag carrot chairs around. Right. Near the rabbits. So things like that. And then they also they also do a whole bunch of other – they do other things as well. I mean, they do a cocktail series, I guess, that's supposed to be science-based. Right. But do you really need – I mean, do you need an excuse to drink a cocktail? Anyway. um, So, yeah, they do things like that. So they they really do take over the city. ATP is doing one today um, because we're doing a play called Waiting for the Parade, the John Morrell play that's set – in Calgary during World War II, and has a bunch of women, uh, a bunch of women at the heart of it in terms of what their um, experience was of the war back here in Calgary. Right. And we're doing one where we're interviewing two women who were um, who did uh, worked with some amazing technology in the '40s. One of them was a manual um, plotter for the for the Navy or the Air Force, but basically plotted locations. And the other was a translator. And um, worked with a lot of different translation systems and code breaking stuff. So it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool, right. but it really does take yeah. everything. It takes everything over, and um, they have a they have a lot of things that they're they're doing that are meant to sort of um, surprise and delight. Right. So it's kind of cool. It's an interesting nice. experience of the city.
1: It's great. It's a project that uh, my friend and yours and my colleague at intervene uh, Jerry worked with them on. Various points of sort of strat planning. Oh uh, yeah. So I've. Had I didn't know. Points. You know what? I
0: didn't. I didn't know that Jerry worked on that, but that makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah. yeah,
1: when they were when they were first looking, I mean, I think as you've described, there's there's a fair amount of ambition in that project. Oh yes. <laughs> and uh, and so when they were looking to do that scaling, they were asking around for various forms of help and were were a client of the BAMF centers when Jerry was at BAMF, um, yeah. and he did some work with them. And, and they were part of the first ambassadors program. They were one of the sort of test cases. So that was two or three years ago. But uh, yeah. I think they were already well. You know, I'm not. I'm not trying to claim credit away from them and into into my friends. But um, it's it's how I how I think know and think of Beakerhead. But also, I mean, just, you know, my my interest in the collisions of art and science and the social.
0: I think the thing that amazed me about it, too, is the event itself, and I think everybody in Calgary can, can say this. This is like its third or fourth year. It has not been around long. Mm-hmm. But it kind of arrived fully formed. Right. Like... It wasn't like, oh, we're going to do a little pilot project. Or maybe they did, and I just didn't notice. But it really did feel like they didn't do a pilot project. And they had a whole bunch of – it seemed like they had a bunch of funding. They had a huge launch, and they were out there like right away. Hmm. And um, because it's such a unique proposition, everybody uh, – every, you know everyone picks up the phone for Beakerhead. Right. Um, because it's a unique proposition, and they have a lot of connection because many people <laughs> – are 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 trying to you know we can we talk a lot about the intersection of science and art but uh, this is a this is one of those concrete things that's actually st- started that right. is trying to make the connection so it's a it's extremely appealing yeah. and people uh, it's appealing for partners and it's appealing for audiences and I think it's very appealing for sponsors and mm-hmm. government
1: yeah absolutely um but we were going to talk uh because because I've got it tight out to run, speaking of tech and arts to yeah to a a hackathon being organized at the Toronto Public Library, uh, responding to the poverty reduction plan on specific challenges, so I've been spent yesterday talking and thinking and doing little bits of design stuff on how to better uh, deal with the parks and wreck systems in Toronto, which are. Notorious. I don't know if it, if it might even impact your Facebook, but they're, they're like 7 a.m. People have to register their kids for things at like 7 a.m. And it's like this crazy process of trying to get your spots. Um, oh, okay. So no, that's I didn't, one, one I set of problems nah, that really appears nah. on my Facebook of like Erica Hennerberry, like all these moms being like, this is insane. And it is largely, I'm not being absentmindedly gendered in that. Um... <laughs> I think the research shows that largely that kind of work is
0: it does fall to the m- fall to moms, the moms. The, a lot of that planning falls to the moms that's that is actually true um and that's uh that's that planning can have this sort of uh complexity of uh any sort of major campaign
1: yeah, and there's like, and there's stories of, you know, you have four laptops set up in your room, and so you're hitting send on different ones to try to get in, on, you know, which, which is a non-optimal system, and especially non-optimal if you want your programs to be open and available to people who maybe don't have lives that allow them to have four laptops open at 7 a.m. on a Tuesday, uh, for any yeah. number of the available reasons. And yeah. so, so that's been part of the design, and then also things like I just want to find a soccer field near me. Um, is there a better way than just Google mapping and finding the green spaces and <laughs> dropping hoping that, dropping the soccer box. field there? Yeah. Um, and so that's that was fun, um, but uh, but we do our presentations today. But we wanted to we. Talked about uh, talking about and, and, you, and you nicely foreshadowed, which, which then in itself can be, can be a topic, um, to talk about surprise a little bit um, and, mm-hmm. and, the, and its, its relation to uh, dramaturgy of various things, whether that's a city, which I feel like something like Beakerhead is working on. Or, or for
0: that matter, what you're working on right now, which is the dramaturgy of a system. Yes. Run by a city.:
1: <laughs> Yes, and, I, and my presentation includes a, a small surprise that uh, mm, will be good for humor, but would never get implemented, <laughs> which is basically that we should reserve 10 percent of the programs um, for sponsor users, they're called, um, and those would be people who could uh, get into bidding wars over spots, so like of uh-huh. the last of the like two spots out of 20 two of them would be open to, like, all-out bidding wars between the rich people who wanted to just bid on them. Uh, <laughs> and then 30% would be open, like, in advance for, like, people who were marginalized. And, like, it's, uh... But anyways, it's, it's to have a little money-based hunger games for the wealthy parents who are trying to get their kids into that specific time. Um... That, so that will be a surprise, because people will be like, that's a terrible idea, and we would, politically, it will not fly in any shape or form.
0: True, but sometimes you have to offer that kind of provocation. Yeah. Can I ask a question? Yeah. Maybe it's not useful. Sure. And if it isn't, we'll move along. Um, is, uh, is it, are the programs that great? Like, like, what is it? What is it? Or are they scarce or or is it
1: right? It's scarcity. It's there are pools. Um, The swimming ones are the ones that are like, way over delivered. And this was part of the design problem is that all of these things are only scarce at specific moments in specific places. Right. So part of the design problem is how do you align the most programs where there's most demand? To try yeah. to reduce the scarcity. So when is, when is the scarcity a false scarcity? Um, but it is, uh, I mean, they're cheaper. They're significantly cheaper than private options. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, again, is why the ideal is that it goes towards people who can't afford private options.
0: And why your sponsor part probably won't
1: work. Ultimately. Well, yeah. But, well, and yes. Yeah. And so that's and. You but know, that's
0: why it's a provocation. It's that's a very why it's a provocation,
1: and it's also a bit of like, no, let's you know, let's have two rich kids in the class. Like, I think there's a there's a problem in having, you know, to think like, oh, city programs will just be the poor kids. Um, I don't think that that helps to any sort of long term goals around. Around civicness or around True. thinking about mixed populations who care about each other. Like I think mm-hmm. do you know, having having those things so but I but I mean I think, you know, it's not the rich provocation isn't even that, oh, those will go up to a thousand dollars, somebody's gonna pay a thousand dollars for a city swimming program. But maybe instead of a hundred dollars, they are actually willing to pay hundred and fifty um for that time at that pool, right? Right. Um, and so, so yes, it's a little bit, it's totally a provocation, but, um, but yeah, it's scarcity and, and I mean, location, those things are so like in a city like Toronto, like it's close to my home or it's close to my the school, Mm -hmm. you know, that, and for an after school swim program, you know, that, that becomes, that those locations really matter and, um,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: those sorts of things. So. So that's why the, and I think it is that they're more affordable. And so they've got these issues of, is it just really competent liberals, basically middle-class liberals, who get all those spots because they can navigate the nearly impenetrable bureaucracy of of the city. Uh, And so how do we design some solutions for that? So that's been what what this is and so some of this has been you know my surprise element is is that cities I mean also cities have a hard time they want to treat people fairly they say yeah and and treating people fairly the easiest way for that optically to be done is to treat everyone exactly the same which is not in fact to treat them fairly if we think about existing privilege and existing power Mm -hmm. um or to make the systems fair uh does not involve treating everyone the same so this is a proposal you know the real the real part of the proposal is is super users and people who can get a super user card and or a number and that's um given out and worked at through you know local service organizations that can identify people who need these services but um but maybe lack the the infrastructure to to jam on the seven, you know, the seven o'clock wait times and and need the services more. And so, you know, using using super users you know instead of a priority user, it's like people might actually want to be super users. Yeah, you know, going through a bureaucratic process to become a a priority user is less less fun in the world. So. So the real proposal is that you could you could make a thirty percent super user hold on any program mm. and, and give those people access to the programs two days in advance you know right. to do, to have a concierge service where people at a library or a community rec center are helping them go navigate the bureaucracy, those kinds of things, and all of that would be accessible through a super user number that you know they could get through various, hopefully less stigmatized ways of doing it. Um, And then because, you know, I was anticipating then the complaints about like, but what about us super users who are wealthy? And so I made the the sponsor, the sponsor user who, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe wants their kids to be also in mixed classes, maybe doesn't want their kids in a private school, private rich kids, only swimming class um and is well, willing to to you know toss what what the what the private course would cost into the bucket. And there
0: are there are degrees of um there there are degrees by which you know the the private class might be too expensive but you could probably pay a little yep. bit more Exactly. And and the other thing too is is that if that's feeding back into the if i was reasonably assured that was feeding back Mm-hmm. into the system yep. that, <coughs> excuse me, created um, these programs or, or the betterment of that program, great. Yeah. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Or that with all of that, they could open up one more class.
1: Yep. Yeah, um, and I think that's actually accurate. And I, I mean, I, know, I had friends who, I mean, I think it was just joking for their lack of exercise, but not entirely, where they were like, Oh yeah, we have a Y membership. We barely use it, but we actually sort of think of it as a donation to the YMCA, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? My my unused gym membership is at least going to a good organization versus, you know, good life or something. Not the right, good life. yeah, yeah. Um, hmm. But anyways, surprise. Um...
0: <laughs> yeah, what are you hoping? What are you hoping for when you launch that surprise at the hackathon? Um, what reaction are you hoping for? Uh,
1: I'm hoping for uh, a laugh. Um, I think these things are often very. This is a, a data, data heavy group. So they're part of this is around moving on open data processes. So, for example, one of the other guys in my pod made this very quick searchable string. Like he programmed it so that he could search for soccer field or he could search for soccer and it would return all the results, even though the city calls them sports fields. Oh, okay. so if you search, if you Google, if you put search into the city search term of soccer, you're not going to get the thing you're looking for. Mm. Um so he did some code, but those data sets in which the same field is also identified as a soccer field are actually publicly available as open data, and so he downloaded the data set and built a quick little database program to search and then and also to pull data from other sets, which are like, because this data set says, this is a C-class field. But that, mm. what does that mean to me? Nothing. Um, no. What it means to the city is that it has a certain rate per hour for permitting. Um, oh, okay. But can I, so he sees C, and then he can go to a different data set and pull in how much a C field costs this year and show that to you. On your search, like it's it's just getting better search results. We just made yeah. a thing that that used open data, so I'm hoping that I mean generally my presentation, like mine, is much more of a concept theory than a than a data set implementation. So that will be different in itself. Right, and I think I think the surprise, yeah, I think the surprise gets a laugh and opens some like space for. Bigger thoughts, which I think is a thing that humor and surprise can do um yeah. where where even if this isn't I'm not necessarily proposing an implementation, but I'm proposing a big shift in how we think about fairness as a city mm-hmm. uh, and that and that will be and that surprise is. Is more interesting as, as a surprise and as a, a little injecting a little bit of whimsy and humor into that allows it and I I hope to be received more in the spirit in which is offered. Uh, mm-hmm. Whereas if I got up and said rich people have to pay for this and they should pay twice because they're rich, um, that. That might be less surprising because it fits into a common narrative of who don't like each other and who what what political battles are being fought. Mm-hmm. And so I think yeah I think having having a a jump like a a a, a large jump in like possibility or impossibility um, and doing that with a degree of grace and understanding of humor in it, mm-hmm. that that surprise then, then it just opens people up to like, oh, what if we radically reconsidered other things or what if maybe that idea is a good idea, even though I think this implementation is bad or this implementation is, you know, is just fodder for warfare between parents and Forest Hill. Um, so, so, yeah, so that's, that's the function in that, is that also I think in, in a thing like this where there's going to be a whole bunch of presentations, all short, all about data, um, or largely, um, I think doing something different in that uh, renews the attention of the audience. I mean, mm-hmm. strategically, I think this, the function of surprise is... That if I, if I feel like I know everything that's going to happen, I, I stop, you know, I start thinking about lunch or whatever. And, yeah. And so having a transition that is, and having a, a mode of delivery that is unexpected allows for and, and creates uh, attention again in the audience.
0: Yeah. It's like a seventh inning stretch. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And a little, you know, it's the the loud noise or the shift in, in level. Of, you know, there's lots of, yeah. It just wakes you wakes you back up, and it's like this is something different. Remember, like, stay alert. You don't. We don't know what's coming next. Um, mm. Which I think is a very useful, you know, even as somebody who doesn't do you know narratives based on whodunits, or or a certain kind of suspense. Uh, a narrative suspense. I think that not knowing what's going to happen next is a, is a useful (laughs) dramaturgical tool. Um, And it tends to be more on the, for me, it is a formal question, not people not knowing formally what's going to happen next Mm -hmm. Um, more often than it is a like, turns out his sister is her, you know, the yeah. the surprise, you know, and this is where we sort of started it. And is my is is in it connecting it to to theater stuff is that sort of what's the what's the family trauma that's going to be the late act two surprise of the Canadian play is not a surprise anymore. Like the reveal of a family history of incest is, or the you know. um whatever it is i feel like that's a fairly common one uh, yeah that's uh,
0: yeah i mean and, and for anyone who who's um for for a few listeners who aren't in the canadian theater um, uh, that that's uh, that is actually a that's that's oddly i do not what's up with canada is what, you know like i think somebody could write a whole has somebody written that thesis yet surely somebody like, has written that thesis yeah what's with canada no uh no the the thesis about incest <laughs> <laughs> and uh and whether it's uh whether it's more common in uh Canadian theater than it is in Canada. Um anyway, I, I mean that in, in the yeah. plays, not yeah. you know, that's <laughs> that's what I meant. That yeah. that sounded no. that came out wrong. Yeah. Um but yeah, it's interesting. I feel like and the con the concept of form versus content too mm-hmm. is interesting because for me, in my experience, Okay, so I and I I may have talked about this before, but maybe I haven't. The here anyway, I think um, my experience of audiences um, is that and and it, part of part of the reason I really noticed is because it's almost the opposite of my uh, my own tastes, mm. um, because I love things that are not that where the form the form is. Um, uh is is different or fractured right um where th- or maybe there's an emotional logic or some sort of um symbolic logic mm. but not logic logic right yeah <laughs> and um and but i've i've also i've also experienced working on and presenting a lot of plays premiering a lot of plays where the story sur- either the, you know where the story surpri- where it was a, a where where if there were surprises or there was anything that was supposed to be irregular, the pattern was broken it was about um it was it was content based it was about something the character did or something something very or, or you know something in society that was then undermined or something like that and oddly enough you know we used to we used to go on and on and we still do sometimes in the theater about how people don't like. Don't like some people just don't like listening to swear words, or they just don't like it when you're pushing their buttons from a content perspective. You know, Uh they feel uncomfortable about certain things. But I actually found people got much more upset, like, and I found that much more interesting um, when they didn't quite understand what was happening.
1: Yeah, and yeah, yeah, because
0: because they uh, because I feel like that. Because part of it's about like it's not actually about cause and effect, right? If some something can happen, and then what happens after may not be what you th- may not may not look anything like what you expect it to, mm-hmm. or we're gonna see what happen. We're gonna see the aftermath of something, um, and that's all we're gonna see, and we may never find out what happened. Mm-hmm. You know, like just mm-hmm. that, and in in reality, in today's day and age. In everything, there's. I feel like there's much less, there's, it feels like, or at least we're more aware of randomness or we're more aware of the unpredictability or, for that matter, um, lack of motive <laughs> to many things and many actions. Um, and the answer to the question why is a lot more mysterious. And I feel like that that form, a lot of those forms... That, that fractured form is a lot more like how we actually think today and how we experience the world today, but it isn't comforting. Yes. It is the opposite of comforting because it's comforting to know when something happens, what led to it and then why it happened and then how, what's going to happen after. Mm. And, and in a lot of ways, that's a sort of, that's, that's rooted in moral, right? Like it's mm-hmm. like, it's um, that person did something because very rarely of course is anyone is the conflict in a play because somebody did something really great. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so that person did something, what are the consequences for them? You know, and we, I think we want to know that there are consequences that's, that's comforting. Um, but we all know that there's a lot of people who do things in the, and, what should happen, which are consequences, don't happen. Mm -hmm. We see it on the news on a regular basis these days. So, um, and everyone's view, also the idea that there are many points of view of the concept of justice is really frightening, right? But it's true. Like right now, there are a lot of different points of view. And so, um, I feel like, Surprises without any foreshadowing, or or, or surprises without us finding out what happened after, yeah. um, disquiets people in such a profound way. Um, mm-hmm. And you know the nice thing about the surprise you're about to launch at the hackathon. Brr, ah. Is, ah, here it is. Is um is that you have a reason why?
1: <laughs> I have a reason why, and and just to say, like I'm. You know, we were joking about it before we start. Like, I am going to be in like business drag, and I have a fairly well-designed PowerPoint. Hmm. Um. So I think there's a. I think you're speaking very um, accurately about. I mean, this very old Victor. Uh, I'll bring my Russian formalists in who, who yes, spread, please do stole everything from. Uh, but Victor Shlovsky as, as, as we all know, um, so he was I love a Russian, that guy love that guy a Russian formalist in the twenties um, didn't do so well as the Soviet Union progressed uh, but was super interesting and 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 formulated the art is is a space to make the strange familiar and the familiar strange um, and that that was his his rule of art that then Brecht sort of took and took into estrangement technique and how do Mm -hmm. you how do you make something that I think I know make that strange and how do we take something that we think of as strange and make it familiar Mm -hmm. so I think that I totally hear and I think this right of of the disquieting nature of of upsetting cause and effect and I think I mean this is the thing about to me good surprise or good unpredictability and is you know is really just sort of to me very conservative old playwriting thinking like it was my first year class, like uh uh fulfill expectations in unexpected ways right mm. that 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 Mark Diamond would tell us that a good a good story fulfilled the audience's expectations in unexpected ways, mm. so there was both surprise and not surprise um, right. there were there is cause and effect, but I didn't see that one coming or I didn't expect that them to break out into song in that moment, moment right? The, the surprise of a, a Buffy musical number, right. musical episode more than the surprise of a... But that's already done because you've built up familiarity. So how do we build up the familiarity that allows for surprise to happen? Mm-hmm. I also think there's probably a question about who goes to the theater and for what. And if it's... If it's to have this respite from the chaotic nature of the world, um, you know, does that does that speak of age and interest and and you know a question that I have in a very different way than than you know ATP has is how do we deal with the combination between the audience that exists for theater and the audience that doesn't exist but might um, and do those two groups want? different things potentially. Uh, And, and then that's just, and then how do we, how does one deal with that? But.
0: Or how do we deal with, you know, for those of us that, you know, it's interesting. This is one of the great questions at ATP and it's one of the ones we're constantly trying to answer is, you know, is our audience the same as it, as it always was and is it changing? And it's been interesting. We opened waiting for the parade which is a play that we're part of the reason we're opening it is because it's we premiered it forty years ago, so right. like long time ago, and it uh, also you know we're celebrating our forty fifth season as a company, mm-hmm. and Vanessa felt very strongly, and so did the director Kate Newby about Waiting for the Parade that even though it's set, like it's set in the forties, um, that it looked like Calgary today, mm-hmm. right? So the cast uh, the cast is from several different backgrounds and um, several different ages. And uh, what's been interesting to me is who caught like in in, so far in our audience, who, who noted, who comments on that. Right. And who doesn't. Because um, a few folks who are a little older have noted that and asked us about it. Not because they were angry about it (laughs) by any stretch of the imagination, more because they were like, they noticed it and they were curious about it. Yeah. A lot of audience members haven't said anything. Right. Or have said, it's really cool to see that. Yeah. Thanks. And that like full stop. It's really cool to see that. That's awesome. Great. Um and one of the things I really appreciate about this weekend was reading the review uh in the Calgary Herald and the Calgary Herald and the Calgary Sun, because they're run by the same people now. Um, from uh Louis Hobson, our local reviewer. Who just talked about the show and didn't even bring, didn't bring that into it at all, which I was thrilled about um, in a way, but also was just sort of it was, uh, was interesting. And, and I guess um, in terms of what people's expectations are and who's coming to our theaters, and w- how that is also shifting,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and this sort of awkward growing pain of that shifting. Yep. And having to talk, you know, having to explain things to some people but not to others who yep. have just sort of um, grown up in a different way of seeing art in the world and, you know, anything like that. It's uh, it's interesting. And I do wonder, too, how much more comfortable people will get with, um, you know, as generations shift in what we're seeing in or in, in what – in audiences – for all sorts of things, mm-hmm. whether that, whether that need for comfort will shift because there is, a, because many people have grown up with a lot more randomness right? And what or, that, or awareness yeah. of, or, or awareness of randomness.
1: Yeah. And I think, I mean, one to say, I think that that sort of casting or working. I mean, I work with traditional, you know, I, I like adapting stories. And, and yeah. even if shows aren't adaptations of stories on their surface, they probably are in my head. Um, or of, of canonical works. And that is partially because I think that piece of familiarity, right? Like the familiarity of waiting for the parade allows mm-hmm. for the surprise of that's not who would have been playing those roles 40 years ago. Yeah. Right. And that those, those things allow for each other, right. That it allows mm-hmm. me to, you know, or, you know, some wacky indie artist who wants to rail against the machine It, like, makes me deal with waiting for the parade differently. Um, And it makes the audience, an audience member who's like, oh, I saw that play 40 years ago at ATP. I'm going to go back again. It gives them something new. And so that seems like a, a nice thing. I think that the other, for my work, or thinking about this, I also, it's like the, the, Incest joke aside, like it is always a trauma that's surprising. Yeah. And I do wonder about surprising towards delight rather than towards trauma. Right. Um, because one of the other responses to the random world, and this is this is a sort of at the heart of writing stuff for me or making work is so you know. Fun Palace has a bunch of things that are, like, fairly random <laughs> mm-hmm. um but is with a sense of delight and pleasure in that randomness and in finding meaning in it and, like, inviting large amounts of randomness, but also pretty accessible meaning-making out of that randomness mm-hmm. and a sense of pleasure in it rather than, like, this randomness is only terror that beats down on us and threatens my life. Um, so, so that becomes a strategy to try to introduce weird form, you know, weird formality, and keep it entertaining at some levels. But, but also optimistic. Like, I want I want people to leave feeling more capable of dealing with their world than less. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, it's not just you know, it can't just be screaming at. You know, the stable of the world, like you should be more random, you should be more random. Um, it's sort of saying like this is random, and also things matter, and also there's meaning, and also there's politics yeah.
0: there's always values attached. I mean, there always have to be some form of values attached, and, and I don't mean values in the traditional way, I mean like values um, that because <clears throat> the other thing too is that everyone the the real recognition that everyone will situate themselves from a particular place in viewing it is also much more because there's so many different, there's so many different ways of viewing things and so many different people who have different opinions of their own place in the world now. Right. And their own, how, um, important or valuable their, their view of any given situation is because the other thing about cause and effect is, um, sometimes, you know, something will happen because of something else, and um, that doesn't necessarily, you know. But then people, uh, what am I trying to say? People, something, something obvious will happen based on what happened before. Mm-hmm. And if people don't like it, they just reject it. Right. Like, <laughs> if I don't, if I don't like that, I just, I can just reframe that um, in a way, in a, in a, a much more tangible way. I feel like than used to be the case um, for whatever that's worth. I I feel like there's something in um, there's something in that, that I don't know that we've quite uh, embraced yet. Mm -hmm. It's just what those, those um, somehow more potent um, and vocal different points of view mean to our to the way that something's received.
1: Yeah, I think increased, you know, increased polarization has affected all, all the parts of our world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so working on, on surprise that isn't... That's about where the internet cut out. I'm Jacob Zimmer. Uh, that was Vicky Streich. We are both on the Twitter where you can find us. We both just use our names. It's very simple. So at Jacob Zimmer and at Vicky Stroich. You can find all of that at smallwoodenshoe.org and click through on Urgy Podcast. And I hope you're well. Uh, let us know if if you're listening. Uh, feedback on on iTunes is great, especially if it's five stars. Tell your friends, uh, tweet at us with uh, at at Urgy Podcast, and we will know it's for us. The theme song, as always, is Holy Coast playing The Beach, The Beach, and we found it on the Open Music Project. Thanks to them. Hope you're having a good day. Bye.